I think this is on. Good. So this morning, uh, you guys get the pleasure uh, and the gift of getting what I would call the RUF trifecta. So I I am playing music, which you may have seen. Uh, Also get to lead the surface, which is great. And and I'm an RUF campus minister. But now we're going to pass the mic over to another RUF guy who his name is Fee Kennedy, the Reverend Fee Kennedy. He doesn't like it when you don't call him Reverend. So uh, he really takes it seriously. Um, So the Reverend Fee Kennedy, you can ask him after service how he got his first name. It's beautiful. so Fee is the RUF campus minister, RUFI International, RUF International campus minister at SMU. And he's been serving there just as long as I have. Um, we started at the same time. We are probably best friends in the whole world now. And um, so a, little, a few things about Fee that no one knows. He used to play in the NFL. Um, just kidding. He really didn't want me to say that to you this morning. Uh, he has benched over 350 pounds uh, also this morning. And um, yeah, he's a man of many talents and skills. And he truly is wonderful and a great pastor and an awesome blessing to SMU. And he is doing a fantastic job. And he's a wonderful pastor. And the best thing about Fee is his heart, the way he loves his wife and his his child, um, he's truly a blessing to me and to, to my family, and so it's an honor for me to introduce him, and I think it will be wonderful for all of us this morning to get to hear him preach and open God's Word. So, Fee, if you'd come over here, I'd love to pray for you before um, you preach. So, Father, we thank you for Fee. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his preparation, and Lord, we ask that you would um, just speak through him, help him to be clear and calm. And help us, Lord, to, to understand and to know what it is you, that your word has to say to us this morning. So, Lord, we thank you and we ask for your blessing both upon him and in us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate, for that introduction. Um, when I learned that Nate was going to introduce me, I thought, this is great. And then I got really nervous. It's like, I, I'm not sure what he's going to say. Uh, now I'm so grateful for Nate, truly one of my best friends, and so grateful for Redeemer. This is uh, a wonderful congregation uh, that has been a blessing to me and my family. Uh, your pastor, Ryan, I've loved getting to know him as well. And thank you for having me this morning. It's a privilege to come and preach, to open God's word to you, uh, to point you toward our Savior, Jesus. Um, and I believe you've been in the Psalms this summer, and so we're going to continue in the Psalms. Uh, This morning, we're going to look at Psalm 56. Uh, So you can go ahead, if you have your Bibles, you can open there to Psalm 56. Uh, And before we read it, I'll give you a little bit of the setting. So um, David, while he's writing this psalm, he's on the run. Have you ever been in that position before where you're on the run, you're fleeing? Well, David is fleeing for his life. Uh, The king of Israel, Saul, wants to kill David wants to remove him because David is threatening his power. So David has fled, and he's actually among the Philistines. So he's fleeing from his enemy in in the territory of other enemies, Uh, and he's trying to hide there. So you can imagine the intense fear that he's experiencing, the intense terror that he is in in this moment. So put yourself in those shoes as we read this, that he's writing this when his life is at stake. These are the circumstances that he's under. So if you would rise with me as we read Psalm 56. Psalm 
Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to pray for us before we begin this morning. Father, thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word. Holy Spirit, communicate to us this morning. Speak to us. Convict us sanctify us, transform us, and change us. Help us to see that we can trust you. Open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word this morning, and give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The the wonderful thing about the Psalms is that they're this giant catalog of human emotions and human experience. Whatever you're going through in life, I promise you, you can find it in the Psalms. You can find that emotion expressed in the Psalms. And the primary emotion and experience that this Psalm is showing us this morning is simple. It's fear. I'm sure you've been afraid before. Uh, It's one of the primary emotions that we experience. Fear is everywhere in our lives. What are you afraid of this morning? Maybe you're afraid of losing a loved one. Maybe you're afraid of losing your job. Maybe you're afraid of of losing a relationship because of something that you've done or another person that has done. Maybe you're afraid of saying the wrong thing and offending someone. Maybe Maybe you're afraid for your safety because of a situation or relationship you're in. What are you afraid of this morning? You know, I work with international students, and they're afraid of a lot of things. And put yourself in their shoes. They're in a completely new country and doing demanding programs. They're afraid. They're afraid of saying the wrong thing. They're afraid of making a cultural mistake. They're afraid of failing and having to go back home and looking like a failure. Can you relate? You know, I have a one-year-old son, and I'm learning about new things to fear almost every day. There's new things to be afraid of, things I never knew I would be afraid of. Uh, we live in a state of fear. And so what do we do with that? What do you do with the fear that permeates your life? Well, this psalm has a simple message for you this morning. It's that we can trust God when we're afraid. 
You can trust God when you're afraid. And that sounds simple, but that is incredibly profound. And we're going to look at this in a few ways this morning. We'll we'll examine this psalm and we'll see what does trust look like? How does trust operate? And then we'll look at why don't we trust? What are the reasons we don't trust? And then finally, we'll look at how do you get trust? How do you gain this kind of trust in your life? So let's look, th- let's look at this psalm and see what trust looks like. So first we see David here, he, he names his attackers. He names the fear in his life. You see this in verses 1 and 2. He says, you know, man tramples on me all day long. An attacker oppresses me. He's being attacked by enemies. They injure my cause. Their thoughts are against me for evil. Have you ever had someone that you felt like was plotting against you? And at every turn, someone was standing there to trap you. That's where David is in this moment. So notice he doesn't run away from his fears. He doesn't pretend like he's not afraid. He's naming to God, I'm afraid of this. I am in legitimate fear because of these things. He names them. And then he calls to God. We see that in verses 7 and 8. For their crime will they escape? And wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You see, he's crying out to God after he names his fears. He's appealing to God's justice, God's holiness. God, do something. He cries out to God to bring justice. Now, there's something else here that I want you to see this morning. Maybe... Maybe you're in a situation you can really relate to, David. You are in intense suffering right now. You're experiencing intense fear in your life. Well, my word of comfort for you this morning from this psalm is that God sees you and he loves you. He sees you and he loves you. In verse 8, there's a couple pictures here. It says, he keeps count of my tossings. Have you ever been, you can't sleep at night, Right? And you're tossing and you're turning because there's these fears and anxieties in your mind. David says God sees you in that moment. He sees you. He says, you have kept, uh, you've put my tears in your bottle. But what does that mean? Well, in those days, as you were traveling through the arid desert in this incredibly dry climate, they had these special bottles. They were like leather pouches where you would keep precious fluids like water. And that's the word he's using for, he says, God keeps your tears in a bottle like that. That your tears are precious to God. You, God sees you in this moment of intense suffering. And he loves you. He remembers you. He hasn't forgotten you. Now, I know that might feel like cold comfort this morning if you're going through something really challenging and that's bringing a lot of fear into your life. But I want to promise you this morning, you won't find anything like this. And the more that you embrace this, the more that you lean into this reality, that God not only sees you and loves you, but willingly entered suffering on your behalf, that will give you the power to make it through this difficult time. God sees you, and he loves you. So David, after naming his fears, after calling out to God in this incredibly dangerous moment, he makes a declaration of trust. 
Look with me at verses 3 and 4. It says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And God, whose word I praise, and God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? He says something similar down in 9 through 11. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. He's making this declaration of trust. God, you see me, and you're going to act on my behalf. I trust that. I'm putting my faith in that. I'm betting my life on that, that you see me, and you will act on my behalf. See, he's putting everything in divine perspective. Yes, things are bleak. Yes, I'm afraid. But God has a bigger picture here. And I can put my trust in that. I can lean on that. And finally, what is the result of this trust for David? What we see in verses 12 and 13, it's a response of gratitude. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. He's he's expressing his gratitude. God, thank you. I can trust you. And he says, all of this is that I, so that I may walk before God in the light of life. Now you may be here this morning and maybe you're completely new to the Bible. Maybe you're completely new to the Christian faith. This is the first time you've been to church or the first time in a long time. And you're kind of surprised that you're here. Well, I want to submit to you that this idea of walking in the light of life before God is really what you're looking for. Because it's what we're all looking for. That this promise that you can have something that you can never lose. To walk in a sort of light that can never be shrouded by darkness. That's what you're looking for this morning. And that is what pro- that's, that's what's promised here. And I hope you stick around to hear why that is. So we see here this picture of trust. Man, doesn't it sound amazing? If every time we had fear and anxiety, if this is what it looked like for us, that we had this, this, we named our fears, we called out to God, we put our trust in him, and then we responded in gratitude. But if you're like me, that's not often the case. That's not often how I respond to fear. I run away. I don't cry out to God. There's a lot of things we do that lead us not to trust. So that's what I want to look at together a little bit right now, is why don't we trust? Why don't we always have this kind of trust? Well, I think one of the main reasons is we, we put our trust in the wrong places. Uh, we, we are experts at putting our trust in the wrong places. And it's so interesting because, you know, our fears, they tell us a lot about ourselves, do they not? What we are afraid of tells us a lot about what we value what we're putting our worth in, what we really care about. Because when those things are threatened, we begin to fear. Fear, it it reveals our true character and our true hope. Fear does a lot of things for us. Um, And oftentimes, as I said, we run to the wrong things to put our trust in. A powerful example of this from my life um, that I'll never forget is when I was in college. Um, It was my senior year of college, and um, on Friday, I had two classes. Uh, I went to a large SEC school, uh, and in my first class in the morning, uh, I show up the first day, and it turns out pretty much everyone in the class are football players. 
I don't know how this happened. Somehow I ended up in a class where it was all football players. Um, and I don't know if you've ever entered a room of Division I college football players when you're not one, uh, but it's pretty intimidating. Uh, right away, I felt pretty small, pretty weak. As uh, Nate joked, I did not play in the NFL. Um, and many of these players did end up playing in the NFL. Um, and so I just, I felt weak. It was intimidating. But, you know, I took refuge. I put my trust in something. I said, you know what, though? I'm, I'm pretty smart. And uh, I bet I, I, I'm pretty sure I get better grades than these guys. And if we got into an argument, I could probably outmaneuver them and make them look like fools. So, yes, they're bigger and stronger than me, but I'm smarter. So I'm going to be okay. I found a refuge for myself. And then in the afternoon, I had another class. It was an English class with a professor who had been at the university a long time. Uh, He was a very brilliant man, but he had been there so long, uh, he did not care what you thought about him. He did not care about embarrassing you and shaming you in front of the class. If you said something wrong, uh, he did not mind mocking you for that. Um, He had been there a long time, and and he knew they weren't going to get rid of him. (laughs) So... Um, and so I was terrified. Every day I would come to class, and I'd, oh, I hope I say the right thing. Oh, I forgot to do the reading. Is he going to call me out and make me look like a fool? But you know what? I took refuge, and I thought to myself, this is a scary situation, but you know what? I'm a young guy, and I'm pretty athletic. I'm pretty strong, and I think if I got into a physical altercation with this man, I think I would win, right? I, I can intimidate him physically, right? Um, I took refuge in the exact opposite thing. So uh, these are silly examples, but it's a small scale of what we all do every day, is it not? We're all looking for something to put our trust in that will give us confidence and hope in times of fear. And I put my, my confidence in two things that can never last forever. There's always going to be someone smarter than me. There's always going to be someone stronger than me. And that's what we do with everything. You know, the the Psalms will often talk about, don't put your trust in princes. Don't put your trust in chariots and horses and gold. And those seem like distant examples, but we put our trust in similar things. We put our trust in who the president is and who the governor is and who the mayor is. We put our trust in what our bank account looks like, what our home looks like, what kind of car we drive. We put our trust in uh, how, how well our kids are doing in school, the kind of colleges they're getting into, our reputations. We put our trust in all of these things. And the sad reality is they will always let us down. Those things can always be threatened. They can always fail us. And so that gives us a crisis of trust. If you've put your trust in the wrong places and that trust has been betrayed, it's hard to trust again. So in our own hearts, we keep putting our trust in places that will never really satisfy us, that will never really give us the hope and confidence that can endure no matter what we face. This is a difficult, difficult situation. But there's good news, that it doesn't always have to be this way, that there's hope for us, that there's a way to actually get a kind of trust that can never be taken away. So we'll look at that here in our third point. How do you get trust? How do you gain the kind of trust we're talking about? 
Well, trust is an interesting thing because trust is really about the object of your trust. It's not so much about the person who's trusting, but it's the thing you're putting your trust in. And trust, it's really based on two things. Trust is based on the character of the thing you're putting your trust in and your past experience of that thing. So if, if, I, uh, if I give my friend $500 and I say, um, hey, we're throwing a party, here's $500, can you go get food and drink for the, for the party? Uh, well, why am I entrusting $500 to this person? It's because I trust their character. This is someone that is a good person, and I have a past experience of them. They've, they've been there before me before in the past. They've kept their word. So I can put my trust in this person. There's a, a man who writes for the New York Times, and he's written a lot on trust before. Um, and uh, in one of his um, articles on trust, he says something interesting. He says, trust isn't a virtue. It's kind of an interesting idea. Trust isn't a virtue. It's a measure of other people's virtue. He says, people who have learned to be distrusting will resist your friendship because they assume you will eventually betray them. But if you keep showing up for them after they have rejected you, it will eventually change their lives. Rebuilding trust isn't about good intentions. It's about concrete behaviors. There again, that character and experience. You know, working with international students, one thing I've learned um, is that it's hard to know who to trust when you're in a new country. It's hard to know who to trust when you don't know anyone, when you don't know the customs. And so trust is a very delicate thing in our work with students. That whenever they come to one of our events, whenever they accept help from us in practical ways, whenever they come to our large group, that is an enormous act of trust. Because they're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself in a situation where I'm entrusting myself to you, to, to your leadership, to your direction. And that's the number one thing I hear from students. What's the hardest thing about being here? It's who, who do I trust? I had a student recently who had a very serious medical condition that requires surgery. And so he called me first. I don't know anything about the medical field. I, don't, I have no background there. I have no knowledge. But he called me because I'm the only American he knows that he trusts. And I called the people who do know about that stuff. Trust is a very delicate thing. It's based on this character and experience. So we have to look at our lives, look at the things we're fearing, and say, what is it that we can put our trust in that has that kind of character and experience that we can lean on no matter what we're facing, no matter how great this fear is? And that's where this psalm is really groundbreaking that says things that are really, it's mind-blowing. There's something that David says in this psalm. Maybe you've, maybe you've read this psalm a thousand times. Uh, maybe you grew up in church, you've seen this so many times. But when you really think about what he's saying, it's astounding. He says this. He says, this I know, it's in verse 9, this I know that God is for me. God is for me. That is an astounding thing to say. That the one who created the whole universe, 
that holds everything together by the word of his power, the one who controls your destiny and everyone's destiny, the greatest being imaginable, the ground of all being, the the master of the universe is for you. You, one individual out of millions, billions. That is an amazing thing to say. What gives someone the kind of confidence to write that? God is for me. Well, it's because David knew something that we actually know more fully now. David had a promise that God was going to act on his behalf. That God was going to send a king who would be the king of kings and lord of lords forever. That God was going to be his God and that he was going to be a part of God's people forever. But we know something now that even David didn't know the fullness of. We know who that king is. We know who the one who, it, who was to come that had the perfect character. That if you experience him is unlike anyone else. Of course, I'm talking about the king, our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, I recognize maybe you're here and this is your first time in church or you you haven't been to church in a while. Maybe that's what you're expecting to hear. But I invite you to consider who Jesus is. I invite you to, to read the Gospels. Get to know someone here at Redeemer and read through a Gospel together. Read about Jesus and see how unique this man is. Jesus... Not only is he someone we can trust in, but he's someone we can trust in because he perfectly trusted. This is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, speaking about Jesus. It says, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus faced the most fear-inducing situations you could ever imagine. Jesus experienced true fear, yet without lacking trust in God. Isn't that amazing? Could you imagine? Never once did he not trust God when he was afraid. Never once did he lack this kind of confidence that God was going to do what is just. And he entrusted himself to God for you, on our behalf, for those who would frequently not trust God when we were afraid. He did that on our behalf for us. And that is something you can put your hope in. That is something you can put your trust in. There's uh, another phrase in this psalm that has always struck me as I think more about it. And it's another phrase that you've probably heard a lot. Um, But it it occurs two times. In verse 4, he says, David says, what can flesh do to me? And then again in verse 11, what can man do to me? You know, I've always been struck by that phrase. I love the confidence of that. I, I want to say that. What can man do to me? Right? But when I really think about it, If you're like me, you hear that, what what can man do to me? Well, a lot. 
(laughs) There's a lot that man can do to me. They can hurt me. They can hurt the ones I love. They can betray me. There's a lot of things that man can do to me. They can slander me and ruin my reputation. But David is getting at something so much more profound that yes, there's a lot that man can do to you, but the most foundational, the most fundamental, the most precious thing about you, you can never lose from man. Flesh can never take away from you the love that God has for you, the promise that you will be with him in a renewed creation forever, the promise that no matter who slanders you, no matter who hurts you, they can never hurt you forever. And that you will have a name that can never be ruined because it will be given to you from your heavenly Father. That even if you lose your job, you will be given a new vocation in his new creation that will go on forever. That even if you lose loved ones, you will have a renewed family. That no matter what man can do to you, God promises the most precious things you have He will never, never take away from you. That's the the great declaration of Romans 8, right? At the end when Paul says, what can separate us from the love of God? Can sickness or death or angels or demons, none of these things can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if that is the most fundamental thing about you, you can face anything. Because you can never lose that. That's the promise God has for you this morning. I'll close with this. There's this really interesting play that I had to read when I was in college, uh, being afraid of football players and (laughs) professors that would make fun of me. But it was a really interesting play. It was very odd. But um, the main character is Lazarus from the Bible. And it's called uh, Lazarus Laughed is, is the name of the play. And the author is kind of playing in this, on this idea that um, what could have scared Lazarus after he had been risen from the grave? You know, and, and, and the whole idea is Lazarus throughout the play, his, his refrain is, don't you see, death is dead. Death is dead. And that's his refrain frequently. And he's kind of seen as a madman. But he has this confidence, there's nothing you can do to me that will take away what God has given me. And through Jesus, we have that same promise. We have that same gift. As you go to work on Monday, as you enter that fearful situation this next week, you can know that God is with you. What can man do to me? God is for me. And so I I encourage you to to look at your life. Look at the times where you have experienced God's faithfulness to you. Where you were afraid and God came through for you. Where you thought, there's no way I'm going to make it through this situation, yet God provided a way. Even if it wasn't the way you expected. Even if it was a way that changed you. I encourage you, record those. Take some time to reflect upon that promise of God, the character and experience of God. Because that's what you'll have to lean on in times when you're afraid. This great promise. So as we've said, you can trust God when you're afraid. Let's pray. Father in heaven, 
what an amazing promise we have this morning from your word. And no matter what we face, no matter what fears we're experiencing, David in this moment was fearing for his very life, yet he could say confidently, God is for me. I can put my trust in you. You will act on my behalf. Help us, Lord, to not run away from our fears, to not pretend like we're not afraid. Help us to name those fears, Lord, and to cry out to you in trust. Help us to see this morning that you are trustworthy, that your character is trustworthy, that our experience of you is trustworthy, that you are someone that we can put our whole life into, we can entrust ourselves to, because you have given yourself on our behalf, and you died in our place and rose again for our justification, that we would be risen with you to receive an inheritance that's imperishable, that we can never lose. Help us to see this promise and to cling to it when we're afraid, and to cry out to you, our good and gracious God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.